Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In this league with Scott Bogman and Chris Welsh. On the radio. 30. I'm on right now. I don't believe you. You boys in line. In this league, hour two, we are back. I'm Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. If you would like friendos, you can follow me on the Twitterverse. That's Bogman. You can find him on Twitter at Bogman Sports. And um, you can email him if you want. I was about to like start being like, hey, we got the entry leagues, but it's not the football podcast. But I don't know. If you want to like email Bogman. What, what? In the entry leagues, we have, uh, I believe, one spot left in Medieval, although by the time this airs, it's probably gone. But we do have spots left in our 20-man IDP league. So when it gets a, a ring from officialfantasyrings.com, and uh, you compete against the Welsh and I, and it's a lot of fun, man. 20-man IDP league. I, I guess our guy, fam, Rob Ditton, did a, a mock the other day, and he said, it, real ugly. So yeah, like, real, real ugly. <laughs> I, I I bet it does. What's the like strangest email you've gotten from a listener ever? Strangest email? Yeah. I don't like just know. random. Have you ever got like a random where someone yeah. wanted to add? Where it was clear that they were either high, like really high or really drunk. Yeah, I don't know. Like, just because like I feel like like the prospect people like to reach out to me. Um, but like others are rigid though. Those are like please help me decide between blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I think I induce a little bit more fear for people. So like, I think people might feel more comfortable with you. And I feel like, you know, cause you have given your phone number out on a podcast before and your uh-huh. email is, is accessible. I, I feel like people would contact you. Like, has anybody asked you for like financial advice or financial advice from I don't me? Know. I don't know. Like your favorite place to shop for t-shirts. No, uh, no, uh-huh. I haven't had, I haven't had that. I've had a couple of, you know, uh, hey, I'm coming in for spring training in Arizona. You know, Can I stay with you. Give me, well, n- never that, but uh, give me some restaurants or some, you know, some activities or something like that. So I- I've gotten a couple of those, but that's, yeah. you know, as far as asking my advice, you know, uh, it's usually about fantasy sports and nothing else because, you know, if you look at my life, that's probably all that's uh, going well for me. So. Well, I bet there's some other stuff that you uh, are a, uh kind of a know-it-all in, in some other places that I, you know, I just wondered what your emails look like. Those those questions are all in club 37. Hey, Bogman, who is this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I answer the question. I, that happened yesterday. 99% of the time. You don't even have to do an image search back. You can tell exactly which search yesterday, but I was like, I know who this is. It was one of those, like, I know who this is. It was Victoria Ray black. And the reason I didn't know her had her hair dyed red. I was like, Mm. I know who this is, but 
I don't sneaky. I can't, I can't do it. So I did a, a image search and I said, oh, it's Victoria Ray Black. Sneaky. It's very sneaky. Oh. I'm telling you, I think it would be, um, you know, it'd be a great game show that we could have. People could bet on it. You know, it's just like we uh, we have 10 images and and we have to see Bogman is going to have to on the fly. You have a timer of 10 seconds to figure out who it is and will he get it right? It'd be a great game show we could I don't do. I know if I would be as good. Uh, like during quarantine, I become a little mechanical with that. So it's kind of like uh, I've been on the same like six, seven video rotation for a little while. So mm-hmm. I haven't really been diving deep. So my name storage is kind of going away. There were a couple mm. the other day someone was posting. I'm like, God, I used to know who this is, but I can't remember at all. And that, that happened yesterday, but that was the dyed hair. So mm. yeah, oh. getting old. Well, that's a, it's an idea for a game we can do. Um, if you miss any of our one, you can go back and listen on the podcast here and uh, you can listen further into kind of what we were just talking about. We haven't had Victoria Ray black or whatever her name was come up at a podcast before, but that conversation would more likely happen on our secret shows. So we've got 80 plus comedy secret shows of nonsense. And, um, you know, they're usually very inappropriate. And the next one's going to be very inappropriate uh, of what I need to talk about. So okay. Just, I like that. It's what it is. It's what you're not going to, but it's, uh, it's not, I mean, it's not going to be what you're going to, I'm not going to like it. Cause it's gross. It's not great. It's not great. Okay. All yeah, right. It's uh it's an uncomfortable conversation. Um, it's, it's not, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a fantastic one. This is a uncomfortable conversation that's already happened, right? Like I'm not going to be the uncomfortable one. Like maybe I'll cringe listening, but I'm not comfortable listening. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it's going to be something you're listening to and you'll be like, "Mm, I don't, I don't like that. Um, So yeah, that's the tease for it. It's kind of easy. I don't know why I'm so filled with shame. May it like, you have that too sometimes where it's sometimes I, it's hard to watch a show. It is. You know, uh, I've been um, I've been putting the office on in the background. And sometimes when I look up and I know something super embarrassing is happening, I'm like, let's just fast forward to this part right here. I don't know. Yeah. I've seen this. So we can get to another funny part. It doesn't have to be this one right here. I uh, guess Michael Scott is cringy. You know, that's Steve Carell's character. In the it's office. not necessarily cringy as it is just uncomfortable. So that's yeah, well. Yeah. We'll leave it at we'll leave it at that is where the story's gonna go. So people can check that out. All right. Uh we didn't get to it because we were talking about uh just kind of college sports and in draft stuff in the last segment. But Shohei Otani is it's a trippy situation that's going on, and more so because of the conversations we've been having. I've actually been enjoying, you know, the baseball stuff. I feel like we've really been, you know, ahead or on or just nailing stuff on 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 the head here of like the you know, the rookies and the Joe Adele stuff and um, you know, just getting ahead of conversations of things that are going to go on. And one of those that we had when the Otani uh, injury happened and, you know, he came up lame after a second start and he's, he's now been shut down from pitching was immediately you questioning, sh- should this pitching be shut down forever? And I kind of pushed back against that. Cause I was like, man, I'd be really surprised if this was the thing and he's so young and, and what they had paid for. And then we went further into it on another podcast. We do called the fantasy black book with Joe Pizzapia. And you and Joe were very adamantly still on that front of like, this could be the thing that ends it. And I just really didn't think it was going to happen. Well, they officially shut him down. They said he would hit. And then you guys were kind of vindicated because the the, the quote kind of came out that Shohei Otani wants to still pitch and hit, but is open 
to listening and considering if the angels wanted him to focus on one of the two. Now, it wasn't pitching is done. It was one of the two. And I personally was very shocked about that because I thought the the quote would first come from the angels and it wouldn't come from Shohei Otani because I thought this is one of the reasons that he signed here. But for him to come out and say he is open if they want to cut one of these, I think it's kind of a big deal. Well, if he needs another surgery, I think, he, you know, even if he wants to pitch, he now knows what it takes to come back from Tommy John. And, and I mean, kind of, because he didn't really make it all the way back from Tommy John. Right. So, uh, you know, he pitched, what was it in two games and then had another injury after his TJ surgery. So I don't, I don't think he was rushed back. I don't think that, you know, him hitting had anything to do with, uh, this injury recropping up for him or anything. I think it's just one of those things where it's just not going to work, you know? And, um, if he it it sounds like he needs another serious surgery i don't know that he's going to have that they're going to let him dh for the rest of the year take a look at it at the end of the year and then move on from then so if it's not a major surgery then maybe if it's just a minor procedure or maybe it's just rest he'll probably do that i i would say but if they look at it and they say no this is torn you need another surgery then I think he would say, you know what, do the surgery, but I'm just, you know, Tommy John for a hitter is six months and you come back and, and you're okay. You know, yeah. so maybe sometimes with complications a little bit longer than that, but you know, uh, he's such a good hitter. And that was really the thing coming in. Remember uh, there were scouts comparing him to a high schooler. As far as his hitting goes, they said, nah, he's not that good. You saw him in that Tijuana game with all of the, weirdness going on there uh during the world baseball classic when he was out here during spring training and um you know uh you said he actually looks better than that better than a high school hitter what some people are calling him well actually the it was actually the inverse because this was way bad well no 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 because the tijuana game he was only pitching so this was a non-scripted um during spring training you know this was the first spring training and it wasn't on any books but it was at the angel stadium he was pitching but before that, and, and it, actually, if you guys want to see it, it's still on our YouTube, youtube.com slash in this league. I think I posted both of them on um, under the prospect one section. We don't have a bunch of stuff there, but I did post those. Before that, I saw him in a spring training game hitting, and he wasn't pitching in that. And that was against, okay. I think, the Diamondbacks. It was Angels Diamondbacks, and he was only hitting in that game. And then I saw the one where he was pitching. This is all before he made his actual debut. Yeah. And the the hitting was rough but it looked better than you would expect, especially with the swing. And his stuff with pitching was great, but he was super inconsistent. And he got rocked by some dude in this, you know, this independent Tijuana team, jacked a two-run shot against him in the first inning. And he was crazy inconsistent, though when he was on, his pitches were ridiculous. They were ridiculous. It sounds like just, you know, from what you're saying now, and it being, what, two years removed from that spring training, maybe three, I can't even remember. I think it's Uh, two. Yeah, so uh, it sounds like he was just nervous during spring training. And that was probably just, you know, because of the crazy amount of cameras. He had all of the Japanese cameras in, in there with him and all of the American cameras and, and all the reporters were following him around everywhere. Sounds like maybe he was just nervous because when he started to hit, we were all genuinely surprised. It was like, oh, wow, Otani hit his first homer. That came pretty quick. I think it was like his second or third game. 
where he was hitting, he yeah. hit a bomb. And then uh, they just started coming, right? And he just started unloading bombs, stealing bases, you know, hitting for a high average and all this stuff. And if you look at his stat cast numbers this year as a hitter, he's second in barrels per plate appearance behind Corey Seager, who's having an absolute breakout season so far this year. Yeah. So he's such a good hitter. It kind of makes sense that you might be wasting him trying to get him back uh, as a starting pitcher. So let me throw this at you. Uh, by the way, a quote by uh, Alden Gonzalez on ESPN. This was like two days ago, um, as you guys are listening to this. The quote was, if the possibility is there, obviously I want to try. And I think the Angels signed me thinking that I'm going to be a two-way player. I just need to get back healthy on the mound and try to accomplish that. That was a conversation about him still wanting to pitch. But what if the Angels shocked us and they said, we do want you to play one spot? And they wanted just him to focus pitching. on just being a pitcher. I would be surprised. I, I would be, you know, well, I shouldn't say that because pitching is so much harder to come by. And that's why they get these enormous contracts when they're only starting, you know, 30 games a year and, and all that stuff. It, it's, it's real hard to come by. And, you know, that was his thing coming into major league baseball was he's a really, really good pitcher. Uh, he's got a lot of power and a lot of speed as a hitter, but we don't know how that's going to translate. That was pretty much, what they said. He's going to be a dominant pitcher. He could be a good hitter. And now that we see him in the bigs, it, he's been an injured pitcher and a really good hitter. So it seems like the course of his career has changed a little bit. So I, I, I guess I shouldn't say I would be shocked by that. I just guess I would say, at you know, knowing what he came from, that he was a really good starter that maybe could also hit at the big league level uh, to now that what we know about him, He's a guy that can definitely hit at the big league level, uh, but he's been hurt as a pitcher, so we haven't really seen his top end, you know, as a pitcher yet. Um, yeah, and logistically, like, with the injuries, it doesn't make sense what I'm saying. Like, right, he's right. not getting hurt as a position player. He's getting hurt as a pitcher, and and he's he really gets thrown off his rhythm. That's what I saw before he made his pro debut in that Tijuana game where, you know, when his command is off, and he can't get swings on, you know, any test slider, splitter, or any funky stuff, and he has to go back to the fastball. Yes, it pops, but if he's not, you know, able to paint and he's throwing it down the gut, here's what hitters are doing. I don't have to swing at any of this other bull crap. I'll wait for the fastball, and when it comes in, I'm just going because it's coming across the plate. So when he gets off of rhythm, he gets hit up, and he right. seems to consistently have some of these bang-up injury things that's all happening from the mound. So the likely scenario is hitting. And also, if he's going to DH this year, we don't know to what degree if it's going to be like full-time or is he going to kind of follow a similar like couple days and take a break, whatever it is. But if he has another extremely successful year as a hitter, then it could be telling. I mean, he could struggle. And they could just shut him down completely and maybe he has a surgery and he moves on to next year and maybe the yeah. slate is clean. But if he is a dominant hitter again, the yeah, team if he keeps might up this barrels percentage. Then why? Why would he might have it? to consider it? Because it's it's a lot. I mean, he's he's young enough though. That was my point when we were debating it. Is he's young enough with the investment that they have? That, oh yeah. You know, they might just it it just might not be worth even going down that road. It's like listen, this is what we want out of you. And but to be fair, you can't go four years of continuously trying to tap into this product. Uh, not that he's a product, but the you know the pitcher that you've invested in. Uh, to be a hitter and a pitcher, and you can't keep hoping 
it's going to go one way or the other when it's clearly not. You're going to have to make a decision, you know, Esther get off the pot at some point. Right, right. And, you know, I guess just the kind of the point I, I would uh, make to that is I'm just looking, when is Pujols' contract up? It is up after next season. So he's a free agent in 2022. You know, just give him a first baseman's glove. That, that, that's, to be honest, that's what I would do. And I know he's a dominant pitcher and that decision's not up to me and all that stuff. I would make him a first baseman. I think he could develop into a crazy good fielder knowing what kind of speed he has. He's super tall. Give him a first baseman's glove. Let him play first and, um, you know, give give some of that money that you were giving to Pujols to another pitcher, uh, you know, and uh, because he's making 30 million bucks a year and that's going to come off the books after next season. So here's what's interesting too, to consider with him, which could work to your advantage a little bit. Uh, he, they only have him through 2023. And I know like when you hear that, it seems like, Oh my gosh, it's forever. It's actually not. Cause it's already two. Yeah. If he gets Tommy John surgery, this off season, yeah. he's not coming back till 2022. And that first year back is always a weird year. You're bad with command. You have a uh, spotty control, you know, you're, uh, velocity is usually up, but they're not used to that velocity either. So, like I said, it's harder to command. So it's uh, it's usually a little bit of a wash here. You're going to be okay. So that, that they should be back. concerned about that. You only have pitched. if you don't count this year. You've got three more years after this of control. Now, here's the thing where the Angels might not be looking to go too crazy: is he is uh, arbitration eligible. I think he was this year at the end of this year. So this would be an arbitration. And then he goes into this. It's the pre-arbitration. Then 21 through 23, he is full-on arbitration eligible. Well, he's not accumulating games whatsoever. He's both positions. He's not necessarily one of them. So it actually might work in their favor, the games he's played, and he doesn't qualify at one position to attack arbitration early on. But still, at the same point, the main thing with Otani is, is, you know, it's it's cool. You had fun in 19. You were hoping to really get going this year. So 2021, you could start off in the races. But if you have another surgery, you only have so much time and you don't know unless he signs another contract, you don't know if he's going to walk and you don't want to help him develop or develop him at one spot. And then, you know, hey, if you take him off of a pitcher, he walks away. The Angels right. are in a really weird spot. Hopefully he is kind of drawn to this team and he's not going to walk away with it. And I just don't think we're going to get an answer outside of him being a hitter. And that's what we have got returning uh, to the DH spot on Thursday. All right, don't go anywhere. More in this league coming up. Bogman Welsh, we'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, 
we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. It's in this league. Got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what they used to make. In this league. I'm the smartest guy in the world? Says who? IQ test you took in prison. Brought to you by Carl Jr. Welcome back, friendos. It is in this league right here on Sports Grid. What are you guys doing? I, I wanna I wish we were back to taking calls. Like, what are the people doing sitting around? You just got Sports Grid on the back. What are you doing like? Sitting in the pool, doing some yard work, drinking a beer. Dicey. I feel like family. they'd be better now. They'd be better now because everyone's kind of at home. You know, uh, so. y- y- yeah. You, well, some of these, <laughs> some of the callers. See, you just said you wanted callers, and then immediately made fun of. Oh uh, well, no, because like it's no, a no, double-edged no, it, sword. It is like I felt it, and then you started to say it, and then getting to hear. You comment on, I was like, mm, you know what? Maybe <laughs> like just processing it more. Like right. I wrote, going back to the, I, I think back to some of the calls, the unbelievable calls we got when we were a live, you know, live call-in show. We get a couple good ones, and we had a couple regular callers. But then we would have, we'd have the radio caller. You know, it's like, do you know what you're calling? Do you know what even you're doing? But <laughs> I'm always curious, radio specific, because you know, podcast. If you're listening on podcast, you're doing whatever you want to do. You may be doing some chores. You're out at the grocery store. You're doing like me. You're just podcast, you know, headphones in, not listening to anybody as you're walking through the store. You don't even have to pretend to smile now. You're happy as can be. But radio people. I love that all the stuff your wife hates, you're like, that's why I love the masks. So she's like, I hate seeing, uh, not seeing people smile and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, that's actually what I like about it is I like that no one will interact with me. And to be honest, I went to the grocery store today and I was in and out in four minutes. Like I knew exactly what I wanted. I walked in, I got my stuff, and I walked out. Uh, I can't stand seeing it. I, I also worked at a grocery store for like five years, so uh, yeah. there's no there's no need to stay in there any longer. I actually yeah. don't go to stores now that don't have like self-checkout, unless I have to. Have I try to. not to. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, I just cut off all the interaction. I, I don't want people to lose jobs and stuff like that, but like restaurants now, um, the first time we, we kind of, you know, uh, what is it like? pushed through getting to a restaurant. I don't know what the good analogy was or the, yeah. you know, the thing to say no, is, but like we risked it. Broke, broke the streak of not going to a restaurant. Right? We hadn't been in five months. And yeah. um, my, when my wife was struggling a little bit with it, we took a midday, uh, you know, there'd be less people. We, we went into a restaurant. We were masked up. Like we didn't even care how it was going to go just to see what it was going to be like. And there were like three people in the restaurant at the time we went. And they were really hardcore on the the policies. You had to wear the mask everywhere except for the table. But also, like the new technologies, they're like, please scan this this QR code. And that was their menu. And then you go, and then you scan a QR code to pay. And that was it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the only interaction was the food coming over, which, you know, it's still, it can be dicey, but everyone's wearing masks. And it was like this hardcore thing. And I was like, man, I barely have to like talk to anybody. And you, you want to know what I did, Bugs? You wonder what I did in that instance too? This would be <laughs> the inverse because I think people do, would, 
people would be like, you know, oh, if you can't interact and how are you going to I tip the guy more than I tip anybody. <laughs> I tip the guy. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, pat me on the back or anything like that. I'm not flush with any type of money, but you know what right. I did? I tipped the guy over 50% of the bill. That, you know, that's real nice to do for two reasons. Number one, you show that uh, you appreciate that not only uh, is the waiter doing everything right, but also the restaurant's doing everything right. And I told yeah. him, I actually asked him about, like, how it's been going, and I just felt really bad. Like, those guys have yes. it so rough. And That's why I did it, not to exactly. be like, ooh, Mr. Nice Guy. But also, like, I didn't – he was nice in – and I mean to cut you off. He was nice in the, like, short interaction that we had to deal with each other. He was overtly nice. And I just felt bad and there's not much I can do you right. know, to help anybody any day. So I was just like, I'm going to tip this guy more than I would ever tip. But it also was there was like just no interaction whatsoever. Well, tipping is a strange policy because not many other countries do it. You know, most of the countries, when you go to a restaurant, the waiter's getting paid a livable wage and it's coming from the restaurant. But, you know, because he's getting all that, everything is way more expensive. You yeah. know, the food's more expensive. Uh, you know, the drinks are way more expensive. Every little thing costs extra. It's, it's that kind of stuff where as in this country and it's, you know, it's to the detriment of the employee more than it is the employer, of course, that, um, you know, you kind of take a risk. You kind of take a risk at, at every, you know, like when I do Postmates, every uh, door I go to is a risk that I won't get tipped, you know. Uh, so I get a base for what I do, but that really that pays for like my gas, maybe a little bit more than that. But between gas and repairs that I break about even doing that. I depend on the tips to make money. So some people get bitter about it and stuff, but it's always like, well, if you didn't have tipping, you would be paying way more. And also, you know, I kind of bake that into the price when I order anything for delivery or any, you know, I go to a restaurant, I bake in the, the tip price. Well, most you, normal you, people do. Most normal people do. But you also like giving a little extra. Number one, if it's a place you're going to go to multiple times, people start to like you there. Like, oh, this guy, this is a guy that gives five bucks instead of three. Or this is a guy that gives us two bucks at the counter, whatever that is. You get better service, especially if you're a repeat customer. And number two, you know, if you give a little extra like you did, you know it makes that person's day. Their whole day yeah. is better because you gave them whatever, 10 extra bucks, which, you know, maybe not everybody can do. And I completely understand that. I don't expect everybody to do it. But every once in a while when you can and you do it, you know you're making that person's day. Well, and every, so everything sucks really right now. Me. Well, everything yeah. sucks right now. And that was the whole point is they were all taking everything incredibly serious. That's such a nice serious. thing to do. I'm, re I'm really happy to yeah. hear, hear Well, it's just every, that, they're so. taking everything serious. But, I mean, the main point of uh, – the potential pat on the back that I just gave myself there was more like everything is moving forward into just like, you don't have to have the interactions. I'm not again, right. I'm not against interacting with people, but like usually they're not great. So <laughs> if you can really make it count in those short stints now, because now you don't have to get a bill and now you don't have to have menus and you have to have less of that. Um, and, 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 you know, it was comfortable setting. It's all good. So right. I appreciate that mask don't have to talk to people self checkout. I'm okay with doing all the stuff myself where there's so many other people that don't want that in the world. Uh, football talk. Let's get into some real football talk outside of tip talk, tip talk with Bogman and the whales restaurant talk. <laughs> what we're doing. Bogman pulled a couple articles and I think these would be good. We'd like to do these from time to time, picking over on the fantasy pros side. They, you know, Hey, they got lots of aggregate stuff on there. They can get lots of quotes from different contributors. And I think if anything, not that, 
not that we're reading it, not that we're not reading it because it's not good info because it definitely is good info, but it makes good fodder for conversation here to right. kind of debate back and forth with. And we got a couple of these and the first one up here we want to attack, and this is a really good one. It's avoid these 10 draft mistakes. So if you guys want, go to fantasypros.com. You can type in draft mistakes and you'll find the article. It's just by the Fantasy Pro staff, so I can't. Jake attribute. actually told us about this article too yeah. because he wrote a, a blurb for it. So and We were on All In Sports uh, with, uh, right. with Jake earlier in the week, another one of the things that we did. And we've been churning out a lot of uh, football content. We had one of our best podcasts that we do in the football draft season, the dra draft ranks analysis. And we've talked a lot of strategy throughout everything we do, especially in the live mock drafts we do. But this is uh, from an outside source. So let's dig in and see what they've got here as far as the draft mistakes. And I want to see how, because they they started off with a question. Um, but yeah, I'm going... Pretty much see. is what they did was they had uh, 10 people say what the big biggest here draft is. mistake is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, and I've got them. I've got them here. Yeah, the first couple there the, from Greg Smith and Mike Taglier are both um, basically going into any draft with a set strategy of what you have to do. Not being flexible. Yes, not being flexible. That's that's the best way to say it, the Welsh is not being flexible because we have said this and beat it over the head repeatedly on the ITL Fantasy Football Podcast is that we want to take running backs early because the position scarcity is so terrible this year. Yeah. It's, it's even worse, it feels like, than normal years. Um, you know, at the end of the year, it may not be and all that stuff, but going in, there's just a lot of uncertainty. So we have been saying what we want is we want uh, two running backs at least in the first three rounds. And that's what we would like to do. It's not always going to work out like that. I mean, we've done many, many mock drafts where we've had to pivot from that strategy or just a specific strategy because things didn't break the way. So you do definitely have to be flexible. And I think it's a great point to me. Yeah, I think it is. There's a balance between, you know, being too stringent, um, you know, it, it not being like, you don't have to go in with the set strategy. Cause I mean, that's a tag layer says going in with some set strategy on what someone wants to do is, is a mistake. I, I agree for the for the most part, but you know, also being what Otani just hit a bomb. Oh yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Otani hit a bomb. <laughs> um, is also being like cognizant of what you need to do. So like, I would agree with what he's saying, but still at the same time, that doesn't mean that would like I, I still want my running backs. So yeah. like, I, I'm pushing back, I guess, a little bit on it where they say, you know, going in with a set strategy. Well, if my strategy is I need to get running backs early, I'm going to stick to that. But my flexibility comes in where I wouldn't just avoid crazy talent. I could say like we did in the flex league draft, we had the second pick and then coming back around in this 12 team, we were pretty dead set on it being a version of two quarterbacks and a running back or two running backs and a quarterback. It was going to be right. that. That was our strategy. But when we were asked about breaking it down, like how did Devonte Adams, who was a couple picks away from us in the second round fallen? I don't think we would have avoided that. We would yeah. have taken that. So, you're, so it was hard to pass. Of, we passed DeAndre Hopkins at that. It was spot. very, very hard. And for that us was to difficult do that. to do that. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Um, next one on here. This is from Dan Claskins says not accounting for position scarcity during a fantasy draft is. I feel a like that's mistake. almost the opposite of. Uh, don't go in with a specific strategy. <laughs> it is funny because that actually is speaking to us. What we're saying is like, yeah, there will be a scarcity of running backs 
by the time you get to the fifth and sixth round. And I know someone will be like, yeah, but let me tell you something about this or this. Okay, get it. But that doesn't mean there's not scarcity. There is a huge scarcity of running backs five rounds, five and up, where there is a depth of wide receiver. So that's what he's talking about, not understanding scarcity. I'd also say, and because I don't know if it's on here, but like understanding runs. You know, we experience that a lot where, you know, you want to... You, know, you want to take your running backs and whatnot, but all of a sudden, and we, we saw it happen in multiple drafts we've done, where you're like, okay, this guy usually goes here. You know, hey, James Conner, usually a fourth round pick. All of a sudden, there's a run, and now James Conner is in the second to third round. So understanding scarcity while also understanding the runs properly, I think is a, that, that's a pretty important one. Yeah, it is. It is a very, very important one. And the next one is uh, one that this is the whole reason we do ranks analysis. Yeah. And this is from uh, Maurizio Gutierrez from Estadio Fantasy. And he says being too reliant on ADP. And that is, yeah. you know, uh, he makes great points in here. Like I said, if you want to go look at the article, it's on Fantasy Pros. We don't want to give it all away here. But uh, this is why we do ranks analysis is to let you know that Leonard Fournette is ranked 44 on Yahoo. You know what I mean? There's crazy things in each different website. You know, we've said the generalities. Yahoo is higher at quarterbacks and tight ends. Fantrax doesn't adjust much because, you know, like you make the point, their ADP is not only based on just regular drafts, but uh, Fantrax has more dynasty drafts than anybody. They have best balls that are being drafted as well. So their ADP can get weird. And anyone who gets helium at the end of the year, they're not going to get enough helium in that system to move their ADP up because they don't adjust. You know, yeah. uh, ESPN and, and Yahoo, their X rank and normal rank are done by projections, which do change um, and uh, and all that stuff. That's why Clyde Edwards Alaire moved from 24 to nine uh, for Yahoo within a day of Damian Williams opting out because the projections adjust and move and change. So sometimes those ADPs will move. But when whatever site they're using, well, we think that uh, uh, Yahoo uses Rotowire, right? Yeah, I think that's where they get their projections. And so does So obviously they have bad projections for uh, Leonard Fournette. So he's way, way down there. So if you like Fournette, like someone on this podcast does, uh, me, and uh, (laughs) you think he's a, you know, borderline first round pick, I am in the first round, uh, but I know I don't have to take him there for in any league. You know, you're saying me or is that rhetorical? No, no, no. I'm just saying just in general, like if you like Fournette, yeah, if you yeah. like Fournette, you like Eckler, and they're 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 not very high on Eckler either. No, uh, you not. know, uh, I think the easy way to say this is like ADPs are a fantastic roadmap to understanding where players are going. They tell you where the deals are, but it's also the the and the avoid here is they can be a crutch for people to be like, yes. well, this is just where people go. This is where this guy goes. I have to go. Like if I I've done we've done our work. And I like to go and check out ADP to remind me, okay, here's a relative range of players. Oh, yeah, there's my guy right there. Something like that. It, it's definitely, it can be set on both sides. What's interesting at moves forward here is we we kind of, I feel like we go away from these like major overarching statements of, you know, mistakes. And it goes into more like, like drawn down things. Like specifically here, uh, Richard uh, Savel from Fantasy Six Pack lists adding a second quarterback if you have one of the top 10 and he's talking about in a single quarterback 12 team uh snake that is a so what's interesting about that is i don't i'm not sure i would put that as like the top 10 draft mistakes people make (laughs) because 
I think there are some applicable reasons that we've talked about before. Specifically, well, I think this year in particular is COVID. You know? Yeah, like, and also, like, if you would have said this with like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, like, if you would say with the top five quarterbacks, and you and you take a backup, okay, I, I guess I'll give that to you because the argument here is in your matchups. Well, if yeah. you're in a 12, you're yeah, first, you're not going to play matchups, but also there's going to be amazing backups across the board. But when you start to get into the like eight and nine range, I actually personally kind of dig a little bit taking a Drew Brees and then taking maybe a Tom Brady or taking a Matthew Stafford. If you could take two of those guys and you can play matchups with those guys, you might be able to return, though you could it could mess with your brain a little bit and you could be on the opposite end. You might be able to return some awesome, um, you know, top five quarterback value with two of those guys. So I think it's a little bit um it's a little bit centric here to be like this is the biggest this is like the fifth mistake they put on here. <laughs> and I'm not sure and, it's and- that much. Well, it could have been, too, that he had one of those other ones picked out and saw that, you know, three other guys had it. And he was like, all right, I'll change it up here. Uh, But in general, I'm with this rule. But I think this year specifically, uh, I don't like it because of COVID and because benches are getting deeper uh, because of the outbreaks we've seen in baseball. That's a big one. Making their benches deeper and deeper. So you're not going to have those good quarterbacks on the wire if you do have deeper benches and deeper uh, injury lists. And and, there's, and you can set yourself apart. Like I said, I, I think this is a fluid one because you can set yourself apart a little bit if you have the top backup where someone else doesn't. So we got to go to break. We come back, final segment of hour two. And when we do, we're going to finish up a little bit of this article. And we've got one more for you talking about some ADP risers and fallers. But, you know, hold too hard for those ADPs. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris Welsh said you were coming. What else did he say? He said you were the best in the Parsec. Scott Bogman, former Imperial Sergeant. That's not saying much. I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. Please excuse his lack of decorum. In this league, this is the way. Stop touching things. All right, we're back. As you know, it is Bogman. It is Welsh. We're in this league, and we're right here on Sports Grid. Uh, final segment, hour two, which means final segment with me, John Lobb, coming up in the hour three. What's on the uh, What's on the docket for you and Lobb? Uh, you know, I'm going to show him our Superflex roster and see how he likes it. And what I did was, and I hope he didn't see it before. But I, I want to see 
I, I took away the team names for ah. everybody. I put it in a Google spreadsheet and I sent it to him there. And I said, Hey, pick out your favorite team here. So we'll see if, uh, if he insults us and says, well, I wouldn't do what, you know, team two did here at all. Or if he says, I really like team two. So I kind of did a blind taste test for him as far as the super flex league goes. So, and I'm going to talk a little strategy with him there. And then I uh, set up some more player debates to do with him. So it should be a fun hour with lob coming up. Okay. The blind taste test sounded gross. How you said that. I just want to play. Okay. Uh, I mean, I just, I mean, there's a little, a little bit gross, but that was just in my brain how it, uh, how it processed a little All bit. All right, pervert. Jeez. Yeah, no, I know. Sorry, always in the gutter. Immediately goes to the gutter. Uh, finishing up, we had these two articles from Fantasy Pros that we were just talking about the top ten mistakes. There was some, you know, kind of like more universal draft strategy. Then it's getting a little bit more particular. Like the second round quarterback one, I agree. It's just I think it's it's a little tropey at this point. Like why it's even being set. Uh, another one, Joe Bond says. Letting sites, this is like the ADP, letting site-specific pre-draft rankings um, skew the way you draft, that's just another version of the ADP. And and we actually tackle that with our ranks analysis that I think we would all agree with that one. But at the same time, though, use that to your advantage. And that's why we do the episode that we have. Um, Let's see. I like these uh, two opposite ones real, real, real quick down here. And it's uh, Bobby Sylvester says drafting with injury optimism is a big no-no. And then Jared Smola from Draft Shark says drafting for safety is a big mistake. So, well, then check out this, though. Even above that, our boy Jake says buying all the risk. So you've got buying all the risk, drafting with injury optimism, and drafting for safety. Those are all like different relative type of things. Right. Like people only want to go safe and then people <laughs> don't care about injuries and then buying all the risk. Um, I think those are pretty, those are pretty standard ones. Yeah. And I think it, it also lends towards how you probably should draft is you need to take a couple swings and uh, sometimes your swings are going to be on rookies. Sometimes your swings are going to be on injury bounce back or bad performance bounce back or, a guy getting a role eventually in the season, you know, um, which is something I did in multiple quarterback leagues with Tua, you know, just saying, I think he's going to be starting by week eight, which is the bye week of my, my quarterback. So I'll take Tua in this spot just to see what kind of upside he's got. So, um, you know, it just, you have to take a swing somewhere. You can't draft wholly for safety, but if you only take upside risk, like, uh, like Jake said, you're going to get smoked because they're not all going to work. If they yeah. all work, then you're going to win the league by like 500 points. I think the best way to sum never up happens. You can so. sum up all three by uh, just saying balance is, yeah. is what those are getting at. The last one is just about positional run, but this one is really interesting to me. And this was uh, done by one of the footballers that says starting roster priority. And actually you and I didn't get in an argument, but like we were battling between this when we were drafting a super flex team together and as he says, he goes, there's some psychology that happens when you see your roster fill up. You feel compelled or pulled to get your starting lineup set before you move on to your bench. And I actually agree with this one. Um, I, I know the league size can sometimes kind of matter with this. And, you know, there's this can go both ways. But I kind of agree with if you understand your drafting habits and you understand the board properly, that. I don't think you need to go so crazy about filling up your roster. And and I don't know if you feel, I feel like you're going to feel a little bit uh, opposite of that because we got kind of in a thing about that when we were drafting where I was ready to go to bench because of the player pool. And you're like, well, we got to keep getting this roster filled up. 
Um, no, actually, I feel like I always do the opposite of that because I always want running really? backs. Okay. I always want running back depth. So, uh, in most of the mocks that we've done, I fill out my second running or my my first bench running back. Sometimes my second before I have my third wideout because wideout's so deep this year. And we did this where we were taking bench players instead of position players uh, for our tight end, our tight end, our tight end and flex uh, start. Our starter wound up being Dallas Goddard because we just waited and waited and waited on a starting tight end because, you know, the ones that we wanted would go before us. We were on the end, so we had to wait for some of the runs to go too. So, but um, well, I guess I wasn't uh, really I, talking about that. I don't even count tight. End. I think the situation that arose for us was, we had taken a quarterback in the first and second round, and this is mm-hmm. super flex. And we had already drafted multiple running backs. I think we even had our fourth running back at that time, but we had not filled out our wideouts, or it was something along those lines. And I was ready. No, no, this is what it was. We actually had just filled, we had gone quarterback, quarterback, running back, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And uh, I was ready to try to pull on another decent quarterback, and you were still wanting to fill out the roster. It was something along those lines. You, you well, said we still had starters, or yeah, uh, I'm forgetting. Maybe it was in the wide. Re- you know what? No, it was in the wide receiver run because we went three straight wide receivers. There was something where you wanted one of the wideouts, and, um, and in that, I was ready for quarterback because there were still some good right. quarterback names that were sitting out there. And in that specific scenario, the reason why I didn't want to take a third quarterback is because we have two top five quarterbacks. So we're not, whoever we drafted at that point, we're not spot starting. He's an injury person and a bi-week person only because you're not taking Russell Wilson. You're not taking Lamar Jackson off the field. So that's why I, in that scenario, that's why I was like, well, let's just get this third wide out because this guy's going to be playing every week. Whoever we get as a backup quarterback is not going to be. Well, also in that case, you were right because the roster ended up, like the wide receivers that we got was a perfect case scenario because we had kind of implemented this uh, zero wide receiver strategy that we went with. So it ended up being right. But I just think it's an interesting one to talk about because I sometimes the mental aspect of drafting in fantasy is a bigger thing to get over where and you you're can worried. see the adjustment we just talked about. That's that's an adjustment is where, like I said, normally I'm the one that's like, no, no, no let's get. Before I get that third wide out, let's get a bench running back because they're going to get real ugly real quick. And in this scenario, because a draft was different and because of what we had already done, we readjusted and, yeah. and wanted to get that started. I so. think it's a, it's a good one for people to keep in mind because that had to do with, you know, when I was doing the all running back strategy, I, I was drafting no quarter in mock draft 9.0, the podcast, if you want to listen to, I drafted no quarterbacks and tight ends until the 10th round. And I was filling out backups. Uh, running back and wide out before I even considered going in the other spots. And that ended up being one of probably the best teams I put together. So that is a really good, uh, that was a good one to point out. Second article that you could take a look at over on fantasy pros. It is ADP risers and fallers. And this one is by Isaiah Cyrois. I don't know if I Cyrois, if I said his <laughs> name correctly, but you can check out the article on it. We're not going to read you the blurbs, but I do want to go through who he ha- he he's doing a comparison from July 29th to August 5th in what some of the risers are looking like in ADP. The only thing though is I want to see where he's pulling this ADP information from. Is he says I sort of fantasy pros information, which it's, uh, it's their ADP tool. Okay, which includes um, ESPN and Yahoo. So this is kind of an overall. This is an on and Fantrax NFFC. It actually, I'm looking right now. Oh, it has it, Fantrax and NFFC. It, it actually is not. It doesn't show ESPN. It it is pulling 
MFL, FFC, and fan tracks on the board. And then in the article, he says... I think says, there might be something where ESPN is just like, it's such a pain in the ass to pull their ADP that people just don't do it. Yeah, he says in here, he goes, as a result, uh, let's see, um, you should be careful track of each player's uh, ADP. Fantasy Pro's ADP tool will help you track differences between sites. ESPN's rankings may lead to one player going early than that, say Yahoo. So that's something you'll want to know as well. It's interesting he says that, but then on their tool... It simply just shows um, it. It simply just shows those sites, and then actually in the tool it says you can also pull the PPR scoring for ESPN and Yahoo, but it's not listed on here. So just take that for what it is. Regardless, okay. it's FFC has got some good info. MFL is a bigger draft. Fantrax. I would I would actually kind of a little bit like to know if because it's not really clear in all of this if ESPN and Yahoo is considered in here. But regardless of the point, let's talk about it for a minute. He has got eight ADP risers and then eight ADP fallers to talk about. And the first one, I don't think it's really a surprise, but uh, Lamar Jackson is rising from July 29th to August 5th. He was going around 20 in July and 17 and a half through 8.5. Let me speculate here for a minute to wonder if the ADP is skewered a little bit because of like super flex type of drafts in MFL and FFC. You know, that's a good point. I didn't even consider that. I just thought that more dummies are drafting now and uh, they don't know anyone but the quarterbacks. And that's why, because Lamar Jackson is not the only QB on this risers list. I think Russell Wilson's in there too. And Deshaun Watson yeah. as well. So, um, and Dak, know, actually Dak Russell and, and Deshaun Dak, Watson, they're at the I bottom. They're that. the bottom three. So I, I wonder if, um, I don't know if he, I don't see him really accounting for it, but, I kind of think this might have to do with some of these sites and their super flex. Also, you know, best balls on fan tracks, uh, the flex leagues. Let me just throw this little weird nugget at you. Since the data is between the 29th and the fifth, the flex leagues are held on fan track. So, you know, their data is going to be put into there. They're all so, between those dates. So, and, and they're all between those dates and there's a bunch of super flexes that are in there. So uh, the quarterback ones might be a little bit skewed, but how about this one? And this one's not even the most accurate, um, because the data just hasn't isn't enough. But Clyde Edwards Alaire was going 29, you know, uh, July was a July 29th up to 19. And they're saying, hey, that's a 10 spot difference. I mean, I'll tell you, he's going top 10 on Yahoo. Well, we just did a draft and he was the ninth player on a normal PPR under their X rank. So he's moving up, but he's not, he's going up way further than even this article is dictating. And Jake, who, basically runs flex says that he uh you know Clyde Edwards-Alaire went I think 11 or 12 in our draft and no, he went was, 10 that was the he lowest went 10. okay yeah that well that was my point was yeah. that was the lowest he went was 10 and that was in a super flex league where quarterbacks are getting taken in the first round as well so I think in a lot of leagues he's going to be around seven for some people and it seems to be that there's almost always a Clyde Edwards-Alaire truther in each of these leagues so he's going real real high in uh in all of them right now yeah and i mean it's gonna stay that way so you know what's funny about this is i feel like we've pared down this top eight adp risers that five don't really count because four quarterbacks <laughs> which i don't think mean anything i think it's the data skewing to super flex leagues clyde edwards alaire this isn't even right because he's going in the top 10 so let's get down to the three guys that let's see where it is um again this is funny Feels like really trying to pull some teeth here on why this movement, but I guess it's a top 50 player. 
This guy only has moved up two spots in ADP, but for what it's worth, uh, there's a story here, I guess. Mark Andrews was going just under 44, essentially 44, uh, July 29th, now going 41 and a half. So 41, 42, however you want to consider it. Only gone up two spots, but it does seem like there's a little bit more of a push for um, him being a part of the top tight end tier and people not wanting to have the drop off because once he goes, he it, it moves away pretty drastically. I almost feel like drastically. it's separating that, that tight end tier. I feel like it's separating into Kelsey or Kittle and then Ertz and Andrews, yeah. where it That's used to point, be. Yeah. Uh, like at the beginning of uh, of the season, it was those top three guys and then Mark Andrews a little bit after them and then everybody else. But now it seems to be uh, Kelsey and Kittle are, you know, round two, round three. Uh, Ertz is, is Ertz and Andrews have been kind of interchangeable. So uh, that feels like it's moving. Uh, the other one here, Jonathan Taylor, I think that's just a rookie quarter, a rookie player r- running back specifically getting helium here yeah. because he had that photo scarcity looks ugly. So. Also, I mean, literally that photo of him probably boosted him up a couple spots for people. <laughs> I don't. Did you mention AJ Brown? He was also on there. He went up. No, I didn't say AJ Brown, but also uh, that that's an upside hack. Yeah, I think that's a lot of extrapolators. So. It's maybe something like that. I mean, I, I like AJ Brown a lot, but he's moving up. I do uh, too, the, but you're getting a little crazy. The Fallers, Julio Jones is has moved from the July 29th date to August 5th from 13. Call it 14 down to 16. So he's moved two and a half spots down. I'm going to just go through them and then we can talk about them. Austin Eckler from 16 down to 18 and a half. Aaron Jones from 17 to about 20. Adam Thielen has gone from 33 to 37. Chris Carson, 33 to 37. David Johnson moving down from 37 and a half to 41. And T.Y. Hilton, the biggest dropper, 55 to 60. So those are the biggest ADP droppers over the last week. I think a lot of these guys have injury stuff. T.Y. Hilton, David Johnson, Chris Carson, uh, all have Julio, I guess you could say, just historically with his foot stuff that he's had and battled, has had injury stuff. The uh, Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, I think, can easily be pointed to as, uh, you know, we know that Aaron Jones is going to score as many touchdowns as he did last year. And I think Austin Eckler is just some people not, they, they don't believe that he can do he, he can be the guy for a full season. Right? I feel like Eckler I, I and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are going to define us this year. I feel yeah. like that'll be the <laughs> defining factor because I'm just not like uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is without question ahead of uh, Eckler right now in industry stuff. And, and I think ADP data will probably show that in about a week or so. And I'm just neither one of us are here for that. We're not here yeah. for that movement at all. Yeah, no, not at all. And, and look, I understand the buzz on Clyde edwards I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't know where it's coming from. He's on the best offense in, uh, you know, in football, and he's the main back now. But, you know, people that say that Austin Eckler can't handle it, Austin Eckler, it, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is 5'7", 207 pounds. Austin Eckler, so let me get his height and weight here for you, is 5'10", 200. So people think that uh, Austin Eckler is a scat back that can't carry the load and all this stuff. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is three inches shorter than him, you know? So, and if you've seen pictures of Eckler, he is chiseled and ready to go. Offense isn't as good, granted, but uh, there's not, you know, CMC is the only pass catching back that's as good as Eckler in the NFL right now. Yeah. So uh, I don't understand 
people not liking him. It's an interesting look. I'm not sure what you can really take out of it, but it's good to follow uh, because you want to have all of those tools at your disposal, just like you would with uh, the Draft Analysis Show. And guess what? That is the end of Hour 2. I'm out of here. John Lobb is coming up. It's Bogman Lobb looking over the Superflex draft. So you guys have a fantastic one. But don't go anywhere. More in this league. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.